Welcome to Climbing the Pocket Network's In the Huddle, where your favorite Climbing the Pocket personalities get together and talk all things Minnesota Vikings. We're back. Gentlemen, we are here once again, another week of In the Huddle. And we're just going to jump in. I got nothing witty to say today. It's been a long day. Feeling a little tired? We're just going to hop right into it. And we're going to go first and foremost to my man, uh, wide receiver one, Miles. How you doing? How you holding up? Uh, how are things around your way? What up? Um, you know, I think today was was a heavy day. One of those, you know, situations with a, with a Derek Chauvin trial, murdering George Floyd, I think, kind of getting the verdict that we all expected, but also at the same time, like, needed. Uh, it's hard to say because it's one of those situations – we knew we knew what it should have been. We knew we knew like going into it, but I was still nervous. I got like the bubble guts. I got that like nervousness feeling in my stomach when we found out that the uh, verdict was up, was in, um, and then the waiting, and then we get the verdict and it it goes the way it should go, and you still kind of feel this unease, and so I'm, it's just kind of you know he should still be here, right? Like it's not justice. It's not justice to me. It's you you could call it accountability. They're starting to, you know, hold hold people accountable for for killing someone, um, but it's only a start. It's really you know there needs to be more than than this. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I feel you, man. I feel you. Flip, how we doing, man? We're doing well. You know, thanks for those those words, Miles. Uh, we saw we saw the Vikings put out the state a statement. We saw the NFL put out a statement. We saw the NFLPA form a uh, criminal justice reform committee that Eric Kendricks, our star linebacker is on. And so, you know, we have to recognize that, that the fans, there are several fans who, who are affected by this and the players we root for every Sunday are also affected by this. So. All right. Well, it is, uh, it's difficult to make a pivot from that into the, the stuff we're going to talk about today, but we're going to try to do it anyway. We're going to try to, to, to add some levity, try to make this show, uh, you know, an escape from. But there's also going to be times where, you know, real shit pops up and we're going to have to talk about that. So, uh, you know, Miles, thanks for, for letting us know kind of where you're at, how you're feeling, because this is in your backyard. It's something that's affecting a lot of us. And uh, yeah, let's hop in to, uh, to, to talk about these things, these items that we have on our list of stuff to do today. It's draft season, which is Flip's favorite season. And um, we've hit the part of draft season where folks just are saying everything about everything. Mac Jones might be three, Justin Field. Like, we don't know what's going on anymore. And the Vikings have had a lot of different players, a lot of different position groups linked to us at this point. And so, Flip, because I know how much you love the draft, uh, I need you to help me out here because edge rusher is getting a lot of steam these days. A lot of people talking about edge rusher being, you know, the position that we need. We got to round out Mike Zimmer's defense to get them back into top tier status to get this team where it needs to go. And so we're going to go through flip miles flip. We're going to give you a couple positions. I need you to give me the case, make the case for that position as to why, it should be a position we draft. Other person can go counterpoint. 
and then we'll keep it moving. So, Flip, because I know how much you love defense, <laughs> I would like you to make the case for why Edge Rusher should be the Vikings' first selection in the upcoming draft. You're going to make me make me make statement for Edge Rusher. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> wow. Wow. I don't even get to choose. Well, you know, you know, Jay, you know, you look at that 2019 season and the Vikings had a lot of holes on that seven and nine team. And one of them, the biggest one you could argue about that defense was the pass rush, just a complete lack of pass rush. You know, we saw DJ Wanham uh, start way more games than a fourth round pick should have. He was serviceable. But if you talk to our boy, Nick Olson, he wasn't impressed. Uh, we we saw Fadio Degbo. He went into the 2020 season with big hole, big shoes to fill. Everson Griffin leaving. Odenbo got a shot shot to start, and it didn't go so well. You know he's no longer with the team. Stephen Weatherly is back, former seventh round pick. People don't think he's worth the starting role. So really, the question is who is starting across from Daniil Hunter? And yes, you can go the developmental route. But edge rush is one of the most important positions in the NFL. It's one of the biggest factors in stopping the pass game that's becoming more prolific in today's game. The way you solve that after everything the Vikings have done in, at cornerback over the last three years is you go get a Jalen Phillips, you go get a Greg Rousseau and you, you, or a Quiddy Pay, and you fix that hole because – when, when you start to look at the board, not only from a need perspective, a lot of the value looking at a reef consensus big board on the athletic or looking at uh, Dane Bruhler's big board, it, you can stay at 14 and get one of the best, the best edge rusher in this draft class. So that's why you go with defensive end at pick 14. Ooh, I love it. I love it. Miles. How painful is that? It why should we not go ahead? It was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'll try to help you out. So, the reason they, they so they shouldn't go. They shouldn't go edge rusher their their first pick, because at what point do we tell Mike Zimmer, "Hey, you've you've had enough help. Like you got now. We got to do something about the offense." Because Mike Zimmer's come out and talked about, uh, you know, not being worried about the offense. Well, we we've we've talked at length this offseason that the offense has gotten worse since the end of the last season, and we're pretending like. Uh, and they haven't done anything in the, in the offseason to really do much to improve the offense. Uh, and now we're talking about adding their first pick, the 14th overall pick, to be an edge rusher. When your offensive tackle, your left tackle position is, is vacant. I mean, Rashad Hill's, uh, you know, a below average left tackle. Um, but at the same time, all they did to address the interior offensive line was trade for a, a really bad Mason Cole. And so you're looking at a scenario where, the offensive line has gotten worse. The offense as a whole has gotten has gotten worse because of that. And you're coming into the season with an unknown in your offensive coordinator and, and Clint Kubiak. So a lot of these factors, and you haven't done anything to help your young coordinator out yet. You added a bad Mason Cole, and you're hoping that he could be your left guard. And I'm being told that defensive end is the is the hole that needs to be fixed ASAP. Because Stephen Weatherly and, and DG Wanham aren't good enough to as a rotation to get it to get it done when you you added uh, you get Dino Hunter back you added a Michael you get Michael Pierce back because he wasn't here last year and then you added Dalvin Thomason to that defensive line you're telling me that you can't have a 
an average to below average starting defensive end there, at least for the, to start the season. Like you can't tell me that that's, that's not okay. Like they got Patrick Peterson, Xavier Woods, uh, Nick Vigil. Like they added pieces to the defensive side of the ball, Matt McKenzie, Alexander, like, what do you need Mike Zimmer to have an elite defense? You literally need high level players at every position for your defense to be elite. And so now I'm telling, now I'm being told too, that defensive end is the other place that needs the, the hole to be filled because offense is whatever in the NFL today. Offense isn't that big of a deal. The, the, the scheme will fix everything. Kirk Cousins will overcome all the deficiencies around him, yada, yada, yada. And the defensive end will be the one thing that will really get this team over the top. All right, then. No. Well, Miles, I mean, you're talking offense, so we're going to go the other way. And Aiden in the chat was saying, you know, maybe we could trade up to address this. But I'm not going to make you talk about the trade up. I think I know how you feel about that. But, Thank uh, you, Mr. Shea. Tackle, I, I really tackle, appreciate Miles. your vote. <laughs> Upcoming uh, election. Make the case for me. Miles, offensive tackle. First pick. Uh, not a trade up, but you know, just standing pat at 14, taking an offensive tackle. How you feeling about that? Pretty easy to me. I mean, like I like I talked about with, with not wanting a defensive end, the Vikings offensive line has gotten worse since the end of the 2020 season. They got rid of their arguably their best offensive lineman from 2020 in Riley Reef. He went and signed with the Bengals for $7.5 million to play right tackle, even though he was good. He was above average. He was good at left tackle in 2020, but he goes and signs to play right tackle with the Cincinnati Bengals. So that's kind of where life is at with, for Riley Reef when we could have had him back and not treated him like dog shit the last year, trying to replace him with Trent Williams, trying to threaten to – trying to release him uh, to take a pay cut and then, and then have him come back again and say, Hey, uh, we probably need you to take another pay cut to keep you around Riley. And Riley said, kick rocks as he should. <laughs> and so now the Vikings are like, well, we'll bring Rashad Hill back because he's been a good swing back swing, swing tackle for us. And that's what he's been. Rashad Hill is a good swing tackle for the Vikings, but him to be a, your starting offensive tackle when a team already has a bad offensive line. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he says. Figure it out. Like, so the case for offensive tackle is pretty easy. There's a, there's a, a few offensive tackles that fit really well into what the Vikings do scheme schematically. They're good in pass pro. And it's a position that the Vikings need to, they already have to pay one of the other, one of the guys. So you need to find another replacement now. So go find a guy at, at pick 14, Christian Darisau, if Rashawn Slater slips, um, I've, I've always said to Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma state, you have him at right tackle and you, you kick Brian O'Neill over left tackle. I'm not, it's not the ideal situation to move Brian O'Neill, but it's another one of those scenarios where you're at least doing something to help improve your offensive line and to expect any other position, but offensive line at this point would feel weird. Uh, now we, we won't go down this road either, but offensive tackle is the only position that has the major they have a major hole there that needs to be filled and expecting a second. They don't have a second round pick. So expecting them to either trade up in the third or find some way to, to add an impact offensive tackle outside of the first round is it's hard to find when you don't have a second round pick. All right, flip. Can you go the other way? Everyone was giving you some props there for arguing, you know, the inverse of, of your, of your preferred position. When we were talking about the edge, talk to me now about offensive tackle and why it should not be, the pick we make in the first round. 
Okay, so I want everyone to know that this entire segment is just so Jason can torture me and make me spout these these arguments that I don't truly believe in. But it's okay, Jay. We're <laughs> friends. I will humor you right now. Also, you are very good at this flip. <laughs> you know, I, the the offensive tackle, uh, the need there, you really just got to look at the board and ask yourself how you feel about Christian Derisaw. It's that simple. Because I newsflash, the Vikings are not the only team that need offensive line help and offensive tackle help. So uh, Rashawn Slater, he's just not going to be there. It's You can't expect for him to be there. Christian Derisaw, yes, I think that's a viable option, but haven't heard much Vikings buzz when it comes to him. So past those two players, it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to reach for a need. You're going to reach for Tevin Jenkins, or are you going to try to uh, just, you know, combine both need and value at pick 14 to me going offensive tackle. If that's what you want to do at at pick 14, you got to look at the board. You got to see if Rashawn Slater falls. And if Rashawn Slater falls, it's a trade down before I try to reach for any time of offensive lineman there. All right, flip. Since you feel like I'm torturing you here, I give you pick <laughs> quarterback, wide receiver. Which one? Wow. Do you, which one would you like to choose? I'll I'll, I'll choose a uh, I'll choose receiver. Okay, oh, so tell me why receiver should be the pick. Flip. I mean, it's not that complicated. Why we got to do all these analyses? Rashad Bateman at pick fourteen. Ooh. He can play. He's underrated. He's from. I mean, he's got. History for the Minnesota Golden Gophers knows the Twin Cities. You pair Mr. Twin Cities with Justin Jefferson with the other man who wore purple and is also from Minnesota, Adam Thielen, wearing purple in college at Mankato State. It's this simple. Just grab, go get your guys, get the wide receiver trio, get the wide receiver duo of the future, and let's roll. All right, now it's Miles' turn on the hot seat. Miles, why should we not add a wide receiver in the first round? Because um, <laughs> let's go, let's go. I don't have a viable reason to say no, other than they have they technically have bigger holes at offensive tackle and defensive end. That's really my only other argument. I mean. Immediate holes, I should say, immediate holes. But um, that's really my only reason. There isn't much much else to say for why I think they should pass on a a high-end pass catcher like Rashad Bateman, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, if any of those guys made it to 14. Okay. Since you didn't put, like, your full heart into that one, like Flip, I'm giving Flip the choice again. Do you want to argue for or against quarterback, Flip? No, let let Miles have the quarterback, man. Look, he's he's All all pouty today. (laughs) (laughs) all right miles argue why we should pick a quarterback pick 14 well so here's a here's a situation i think people keep forgetting everyone's so focused on 2021 and i understand from like uh like mike zimmer rick spielman situation and and even the wilfs a little bit that like this season is about uh it's all about trying to get the playoffs and, and all that my thing is that one player that you pick in the first round isn't going to be the reason you make or miss the playoffs, in my opinion. There really isn't. I think that's what that's what free agency and trades are supposed to be about. Free agency and trades are supposed to be about filling immediate holes to help you win 
immediately. The draft is supposed to be about how to help you down the road and in the future and not just focusing on right now. And so for me, Kirk Cousins, beyond 2022, we have no idea what the situation is with Kirk Cousins. The Vikings shouldn't like being in that situation. And fans shouldn't like being in that situation where you're like, well, what's our what's our deal with quarterback for the future? Because it's the most important position in football. And it's also a, a situation where you, you need to be able to build around somebody and build and know what your plan is. And if you don't have that with Kirk Cousins, because of Kirk Cousins, let's say Kirk Cousins doesn't want to sign a contract extension. He's not willing to. And he's like, well, I want to see, see how things play out. You're in a really bad situation going into next year and beyond because you have no idea what the plan is. So if you were to at least put yourself in a better a better situation, you could say, well, if one of these quarterbacks is, it slips down to pick eight, nine, 10, 11, let's you know, any of those types of ranges, um, like a, 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 Lance, a, a Trey Lance, even a Justin Fields, I'm not going to say Mac Jones, but like a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields slips to like, you know, eight to 11 range. You should be calling those teams and saying, we have a future need at quarterback. If we want to put ourselves in a better future situation at that position, or at least I'm not going to say they're going to be better than Kirk Cousins, but what you do is with with the un, the Vikings. So here's the thing: the Vikings know what the plan is going to be with Kirk Cousins because there there clearly hasn't been any contract talks, extension talks now. So they know that they can't go into next year saying, "Hey, Kirk, you want to take another deal?" And what what's Kirk going to say? Uh, yeah, we can start at $45 million a year because that's what his current cap is going to be in 2022. And what are the Vikings going to say? Yeah, well, let's do it because we have no other choice. What they should be doing is saying, hey, Kirk, we got a guy that's ready and waiting for the future. So if you're not willing to play ball with us, we have your replacement ready to go and, and we'll move forward without you. And at least put the pressure on Kirk Cousins to say, do I really want to be in Minnesota long term? Or do I want to go out and get the bag? And I, I will never fault any player for going and get the bag. Go secure the bag. You only have so, a limited amount of time to do it. But if Kirk Cousins wants to stay in Minnesota and this is the place for him, he'll find a way to make it a little bit more of, not even say a reasonable deal, but they'll find a way to, to both help each other out. And I think I think there's, there's room to do that. If he's not willing to play ball, at least you have a, a position to say, hey, we have our future and we have a young guy that we can build around because Mike Zimmer doesn't, then, then you could tell Mike Zimmer, "Hey, we could put some more money towards your defense again because we have some. We could free up some dollars." There you go, Mike Zimmer. There we go. Flip. You're back up. Why? Why is that a terrible idea? You know, I'm not going to say it's a terrible idea. I'm going to say it's unrealistic as all hell. All this, all this buzz about the Vikings taking a quarterback is fan generated, which I get. You know, it's fun to talk about the draft. It's fun to talk about what if. Um, but the, the hypothetical, the low probably situation where Justin Fields is there, I think we have to, you know, just start talking about opportunity costs. Uh, our, our boy, Nick Olson did a mock draft today where he traded out of 14 when Fields was on the board and people were like, oh, we we're going to riot. Oh, we, we wouldn't do that. How dare you? No, like only one person asked him what they got back in that trade, what he got back in that trade. So if Justin Fields is on the board, pick 14, you have to realize the phone is going to be ringing off the hook. And if that's the case, you know, you're possibly just trading down in the first round and also getting the second round pick back. Maybe you're even getting an early second round pick 
from a team that passed on a quarterback earlier in the draft. So you could possibly have a situation where instead of drafting, you know, instead of drafting quarterback, you trade back and you all of a sudden you have the picks to fill the other three needs that we just talked about. And, and so that's that's why you potentially don't take the quarterback, because if you have if you let me pick between quarterback or offensive tackle, wide receiver and edge rusher, I think I'm going with the second choice. Ooh. All right. Well, Flip, that's a wonderful segue because wait, was that real? Uh, Flip, was that real? Was that real, Flip? Like no, you it was really not real. That? It was not real. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just, I, I, I just want to make sure. I just wanted to, set, to so, set that up to make sure. So, Flip, do you see a scenario in which the Vikings, based on what they've done so far this offseason, can do enough in the draft to make you feel like the Vikings are a legitimate? not just like contender to get into the playoffs, because that seems often to be what we shoot for, but like a legitimate playoff contender, like a team that when people talk about the Vikings, it's like, wow, this team is going to make some noise. And if they ended up in a championship game, I wouldn't be surprised. Looking at the construction of the roster now and what's coming ahead in this draft, like what are some scenarios that you could imagine that could lead the Vikings to being a team that like, we're like, oh, wow, like they ended up being a lot better than I expected them to be. Yeah, I think number one, Clint Kubiak's got to be a genius. That's probably the easiest path for us there. I have faith in this defense as currently constructed, as especially with all the defensive players that we're getting back healthy. Um, and the first but, round, and the first round edge rusher that's coming, <laughs> and that, just the stacked, <laughs> the stacked defensive line. But other than other than that, other than Clint Kubiak being a genius. And us, you know, either drafting a quarterback or just a studly wide receiver. No, I don't see anything that can put us in the Super Bowl conversation, especially for edge rusher. Look, like, number one, we're, we're 14. We're not top five. So it's not like we're going to be getting a Nick Bosa or a Miles Garrett. But even if we were, like, what, what have the Chargers done with Joey Bosa? What have the, Reds, uh, the Washington football team what have they done with Chase Young and Montez Sweat? What has what have the Carolina Panthers done with Brian Burns? An edge rusher, no matter how good he is, is not going to result in instant Super Bowl contention. It just hasn't happened regardless of how good that player is. Look at Bradley Chubb for the Denver Broncos. Look at Shaq Lawson. It's just not realistic. So if you want to win now, you go offense in the first round. Whew. I love it. Miles, are, are, are you on board or do you see another path to true contention that might come for us out of the draft? No, um, there, there, there are still too many question marks. Um, I, I still wonder what the plan is. So they have, they're like, they're sitting out right around seven and a half million dollars in cash space. They get 7.9 in June. There, I, it feels like something's they're they're trying to do they're going to do something with some of that money. I'm not going to say they're going to spend it all because obviously they can't because you know they need to keep some money for for draft picks and um, having in season money. But like there's room to do something. I wouldn't even call it significant, but like like you could you could spend about six to seven million of that if you wanted to. If you really wanted to, the Vikings could do that and spend it on a player in a trade or signing somebody. So there's room for them to add. You know, let's say they let's say they do go edge rusher in the first round. They could go sign an Eric Fisher, a Mitchell Schwartz, 
of Russell, Russell Kung, someone like that in free agency, if they really wanted to do that, because they know they couldn't get themselves back into the second round to add an offensive tackle, something like that. Um, or vice versa, go get an edge rusher in free agency. If you draft a, an offensive lineman early, there's, there's a few things they can do there, but it doesn't make them immediate contenders because to flip's point, there are just, there's, there's too many question marks at too many important areas. I still think cornerback is as much of a, not a need, but it's a question mark. Is Patrick Peterson going to become, can he get to a high enough level to, you know, to warrant the the amount of money they paid him to be a, a cornerback one in this defense? He's still an unknown in that, in that way. Cameron Dantzler is 140 pounds, uh, got hurt a lot last year. There's inconsistencies in the play. It, there were some high highs. I'm not going to sit here and say there wasn't, but I'm not, he wasn't consistent either. So, can he can he put together a consistent season? We have no idea what the plan what's going to be what's going to happen with Jeff Gladney. Mackenzie Alexander's back. Mike Hughes is who knows if he'll ever play football again. So there are some question marks at cornerback as well. Not saying that they need to go out and um, add a first round pick just to to figure that out, but there are question marks at, at important areas. Wide receivers, another one. Um, they don't have a third receiver that can threaten the defense. They have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And then they have a couple of guys that can that can catch the football on short to intermediate routes on short routes. I won't even say intermediate. Chad Beebe doesn't win in the intermediate routes. He just wins short. And so they don't have anybody to, to like that could step up and be a wide receiver too. If Jefferson or Adam Thielen tweaked an ankle for a few weeks, they don't have those guys. So they're not a defense can, can do a pretty a good enough job to stop their offensive line and to stop their pass game for a lot of those reasons. So to flip's point, Offense yeah. should be the main priority because they're to, to at least try to get themselves close to contention if they want to if they want to get themselves you know a deep playoff run. I mean, we're talking we're talking about a mini camp battle between Mason Cole and Dakota Dozier, <laughs> and, and you try to tell me like, t- and it's not even a person; it's virtual, a virtual competition. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dakota Dozier is winning that virtual the virtual one for sure. Oh. Okay, so Deshaun, he, he's saying that there are a lot of questions, but he believes, even though we're talking about the, the the DBs and the pass rush and all of those things, that pass blocking is the thing that is going to make or break the season, which is something we hear very often. I read uh, earlier today uh, from a Vikings fan on Twitter that if Rick Spielman doesn't go offensive, uh, I, think, I think he just said offensive lineman, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just like round that up to offensive tackle in the first Most round people, yeah. uh yeah if he doesn't go offensive tackle in the first round then like after 47 years of vikings fandom he probably will i don't know maybe not tweet for a couple of days but then be right there with all the rest of us at the beginning the beginning of the season but you know is that the a west um, cat <laughs> no it wasn't a west it wasn't a west a west lost lost all his faith lost, lost hope quite some time ago but yeah i want what do you guys think about this that the fact that offensive line right now could be so much worse, I guess, than it was last year that it will make or break the season because the offensive line has not been good in a while. So I guess, Flip, start me off here. What do you think about Deshaun's point? Offensive line, is that the thing? Is that the most important, the most glaring hole on the Vikings right now, the thing that is keeping you up, making you worried that the season will be in peril if they don't fix it right away? I Yeah, I agree with that point that it's the biggest glaring hole but as far as it being make or break i just can't agree to that i even if we do address that offensive line in round one um there's no guarantee 
that that player is going to start. There's no guarantee he's going to be day one better than Rashad Hill. And just the the other side of this is it take that takes a tremendous again, and it takes a tremendous amount of trust in Clint Kubiak to be able to coach up these players the same way Gary Kubiak did, be able to coach these players the same way Kevin Stefanski under Gary Kubiak's guidance did. So we could easily be in a situation where we've got bookend tackles for the next five years. And I love that scenario. I dream for that scenario. But that still does not mean we're we're going to instantly see 2021 season success because of two bookend tackles we've got. All right, Miles, what are you thinking about pass block, uh, pass blocking being the most important, the make or break for the uh, for the upcoming season? Well, so pass blocking for offensive pass blocking is more is the more important aspect of offensive line play. We've we've seen this this offensive line isn't even that good at run blocking. They just have Dalvin Cook and the scheme, and so pass blocking is should be a priority for how they view their offensive linemen. The issue is asking that first round pick offensive lineman or whenever they draft an offensive lineman first, expecting that offensive lineman to come in and fix all the problems. That's just not going to happen. Riley Reef didn't do that. Mason Cole sure as hell isn't going to come in and do that. And they haven't done anything else different to, to fix it. So I still don't understand. Like, I'm not saying they don't need to address it. That's, that's not the argument. It's the idea that that's going to be the, that, that one player is going to be the, the make or break. It just isn't realistic. Riley Reef wasn't like they couldn't get over the hump with Riley Reef. Uh, and he's a, he's probably better than any left tackle rookie that will be besides maybe Sewell as a rookie. I'm not talking long term. Uh, please, please, you know. But, like, Riley Reef was really good in 2020. And so to expect rookies to play up to that level as rookies, it's asking them to do a lot. Tristan Wirfs, like, those types of players don't grow on trees. That was a very lucky scenario for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to get the best offensive lineman in the draft at, what was that, pick 14, I think, or 13 or whatever. They, they traded up one spot to grab him. But um, that th- those types of players don't just grow on trees. And, and he got plugged into a situation – that is significantly better than what what offensive player offensive tackle will get plugged in to Minnesota. It's just it's just facts. And so, if they if the Vikings were really committed to fixing their offensive the pass blocking, they'd go out and get a Mitchell Schwartz or an Eric Fisher. They'd go out and get one of those uh, free agents or make a trade for somebody that has a proven track record of being good now, because then they could at least have a baseline level of how good that player is going to be. We don't have that right now. And so now we're putting all of our hope and, and expectation into a rookie that you have no idea how that, how good they're going to be. And that's why, for me, the draft is not about the year one. The draft is about the future. So we need to make sure that we find guys. So now, we're again, we're in a situation where these guys have to be immediate contributors. And that's just – it just asks a lot of rookies. And it's just mm-hmm. – that should they shouldn't be the reason you're, you're a make-or-break like playoff team. They really shouldn't. Oof. Flip, I want to ask you, is Rick Spielman good at his job? You know, it's interesting. The uh, NFL.com just put out a, a GM power rankings that only analyze the last five years of, of drafting. And Rick Spielman ranked sixth in those rankings. Now, that included 2015, which was Rick Spielman's banner year. But even down the line from that, uh, Rick Spielman, he's a great drafter. I think one of the 
the most underrated things that we don't talk about Rick Spielman is, is he, uh, he gives the coaches exactly what they want. Um, and, and one of the issues with the offensive line is where Rick Spielman has struggled the most. Uh, but he's been good on the defensive side of the ball. He's been great in defensive drafting. He's been good outside of one miss uh, drafting and finding wide receiver talents. The offensive line issues, if you ask me, you have to remember just the amount of coaching turnover we've had on the offensive line. So when you take a GM who is good at giving coaches what they what they say they need to succeed, and then you keep on having new coaches, that really makes it harder for Rick Spielman to be good in that one specific area. But overall, if you're a, if you're a football coach, Rick Spielman is a dream GM to work for because he's going to go out, he's going to get you exactly what you think you need to succeed. So why is it, given that we're saying that Rick is good at his job, that we also seem to find ourselves in this position year over year where basically what you guys are saying is like the Vikings have a very obvious glaring need. And then like they immediately address that need for like the year that's about to come. But it seems that maybe the planning for a couple years down the road isn't what we'd want to see. As Miles, because talked we, about we, this we got a defensive minded coach. Like the second there's a hole on the defensive yep. side of the ball, it's fixed immediately. And, and I do, I do. Th- it, it's clear. It's clear that Zim has more control over the roster than what I think everybody realizes. We know Zim, you, Zim very it's much gets, gets his. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Donnie? Welcome, Donnie. We, up, we knew it was you. We knew it was you. Um, it's you know, it's it's clear that like Zim Zim gets his way more often than not. Like Zim's defense is priority. That's always been my issue with Zim is Zim is not the head coach. He is the defensive coordinator who acts as the head coach. And I think that's been my biggest, that's been my biggest issue with him is you got to make sure the whole team is good. Not just your side of the ball because you're coaching that side of the football. Like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't even know what else to say about it. Like, it, it's just it's just clear. No, 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 no. For real though, it's it's just clear that Zim gets a lot more of his way. You see it in the draft. You see it in free agency. Like even when they went out and signed Kirk Cousins, they were like, "Oh, we we got you, Sheldon Richardson, though, Mike Zim." Uh, Zim. So like, like can can you like give us a break? Like we got you a, a a defensive tackle that can rush the passer and stop the run, and just to make him happy, just to make sure that he was like good with that. Uh, so the. It just feels like there is too much control. Like to flip point, Rick Spielman does do a really good job of the types of players that his coaches want and need or, and are looking for. He does a good job of finding those types of players. They might not always work out, but like the, the like athletic offensive linemen, he's really good at finding the athletic offensive linemen. Not all of them are good, but he's finding the specific traits and the, like the, the style of the offensive line that he's being told that they're looking for. Same with defensive line, cornerback, like all the other positions. He's finding those types of players. Now, the the issues I've run into with, with Rick Spielman has been how he's evaluated the quarterback, wide receiver, mainly on offense, how they've evaluated the cornerback, wide receiver positions and how they've treated running back like the most important position on the team on offense, on the, on the most important position on offense. And that's always been something that I struggled with with Rick Spielman. Yeah, so – Again, you know, I'm not trying to be too negative. I'm just saying that the defensive build 
is clearly Mike Zimmer driven. And you know what? 2021, let's do it. Let's trust, go, let's trot out the third best defense or a top three defense in the NFL and let's trot out a functional offense and let's win as many freaking football games as we can. But to suggest that they're trying to do anything other than that, that they're trying to draft Justin Fields or they're trying to fix the offensive line, like those are going to be the strengths or the make or break parts of this football team. No, that's it. This is a defensive focused football team. We're going to win or lose based on that Zimmer, that on that defense. That's the way that Zimmer wants to do it. Um, and also, yeah, so Donnie, what's going on here, man? You got you forget your password. Why why you got a new why you got a new screen name, Donnie? You logged you in from the burner today, so we can say what's up. Too much Pornhub, Donnie. What happened? What happened, Donnie? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, flip dropping Pornhub, and I and we made it to the end of our, our show sheet. So, you know, what better time to wrap things up before we get out of hand in here? Uh, Flip Miles, anything else you wanted to discuss before we we close this thing out and get Dave back in here? I still think uh, a trade for uh, uh, Orlando Brown from the Ravens is something that we should still consider. Like, I I still think, listen, I still think (laughs) the best scenario for the Vikings, if if they can get it to work, is to pick swap with the Ravens with pick 14 and pick 27, get Orlando Brown back. If you have to throw in a fourth rounder or whatever to, to like to make the deal done fine. And then you, you figure out a way to go get an edge rusher with, with, with the 27th overall pick. You have an impact left tackle. Now that that's only making $3 million. You don't have to worry about paying him right now. I understand it becomes like the, Oh, well, all the other, the, all those guys have been traded for They you know, they uh, hold the team hostage and they get paid a lot more than they should. Blah, blah, blah. Well, the Vikings, in my opinion, you really wouldn't be investing that much money to get an Orlando Brown here if that were the case. A pick swap is 13 picks, and you th- maybe you're tossing a fourth-round pick. Yes, sure, that, like, in hindsight, it looks like a lot, but to get a player, let's say you have Orlando Brown now, and let's say you franchise tag him next year. If you only had him for two years in that type of deal, I still think that would be worth the, the, the trade back 13 spots to have a guy that you know can be good right now uh, I th- I think that'd be fine with me, and then you still find your way to get that young edge rusher that you're you're looking for in the in the late twenties. I still think that might be the best solution to finding to to Deshaun's point, finding someone that can help you now that has a baseline level of how good they can be, and also get uh, that edge rush edge rusher. So then you're not that basically gets you your second round pick back. All right, flip. Yeah, yeah I just I, I love that you know. I'm not as big of a fan of the trade, but just the idea behind it. And also just taking that a step further and saying, okay, for us to make that trade as cheap as possible, what do we need on the draft board when 14 comes around? We need right. a bunch of great wide receivers on that board. We may even need an offensive, you know, some offensive linemen on that board. So just trying to like think before the Vikings pick, instead of just waiting for them to trade up, just start hoping the right players fall so that we can trade down and get all the things we need to uh, set up for a successful 2021. Love it. All right. Well, that is it. We have made it. Miles made David very happy as we brought this thing home. So David, pop in, play the music. <laughs> Donnie. <laughs> Politics and Thank you for watching or listening. 
As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Roll, everybody.